0: Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. God is good. God is really good. And um, these last few weeks I've just been doing a bit of a journey... Um, on the Holy Ghost, I've just been wanting to find out about revivals that have broken out and have touched nations. And, and I started to get really hungry about revival. You know, revival's been coming through my heart and my mind and, I, and I, really want to, I really want to be a part of what God is doing in this nation of Australia. And I know that you, you young people too, you want to be a part of it. The Holy Ghost doesn't change, so then we need to change. Between 1900 and 1910, a Holy Ghost revival swept the entire planet. It was awesome. I know some of you, uh, this is something that we all should really have a look at one time. Accompanied by signs and wonders and incredible miracles, people were slain in the spirit for days on end. The fire of the Holy Ghost was truly a consuming fire. People were falling down on street corners, footpaths, houses, churches, repenting of sins. Every nation seemed to be touched in the same way. As we began to do research into the great revival that swept through Wales, known as the Welsh Revival of 1904 and 1905, the revival resulted in over 150,000 people converted and added to churches and chapels in Wales. Lives were transformed. Lifestyles were changed. Homes and families were healed. Churches were packed and on fire with fervour and zeal. Jails were empty. Courtrooms lay bare. Taverns were closed down, in other words, pubs. Churches were filled to overflowing. The pit ponies in the coal mines came to a halt. They had to be retrained. They could no longer understand the new commands because they were so used to being sworn at. So here the pit the pony pit trainers had been saved from miraculous. They could no longer swear at the ponies and tell them what to do. I was speaking in tongues at them, and the four horses had to learn what to do. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. In 1906, the Azusa Street Revival broke out in America, Los Angeles, and spread right throughout the land. The revival was so powerful that the earth shook literally shook. The San Francisco earthquake of 1906 occurred not long after the Azusa Street Revival, which caused thousands I'm talking about thousands of people to repent. The blind could see, the deaf could hear, the crippled walked. People from Germany and Sweden heard uneducated black Africans who had no education whatsoever speaking the wonders of God in their own language. Revival, saints, revival, amen? Also at the same time, revival broke out in New Zealand and Australia. This is worldwide. When I begin to dig in, you need to do your own research. Do it, it's it's a good thing. Do it, um, New Zealand and Australia. It broke out in Melbourne and Sydney, Japan, North Korea, where Little Rocket Man lives. <laughs> okay, <laughs> revival broke out in North Korea. Incredible, India. The fire spread throughout all India and many other nations. This revival was a Holy Ghost, baptism-filled with fire, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, accompanied by the supernatural gifts of the Holy Ghost. Saints, we need the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost operating in all of our lives. Amen? We are Pentecostal Christians. We are tongue talkers. Amen? Amen? (laughs) Amen? (laughs) God is good, I tell you what. It could be an early night or it could be a late night. Let's see. how we go. The first person I would like to stick up is a woman. I, I need to have put a woman here tonight, okay? There's a lot of girls. Is Pandetta Ranaba. I can't pronounce her. She was an Indian lady. If you'd like to put that first. There she is there. Okay, if you want to write her name down and do some research on it, there's books on her. Um, news of the revival in Australia in 1903 aroused Ramabe, Ramabe to send her daughter, Thyder and her and her, Miss um, Abrams, whoever this is, in order that they might catch the inspiration of the revival fire that had been happening in Australia. It had, what was happening in Australia had also gone. They'd heard about it in India, and this lady was really fascinated. She'd been saved, but as yet had not been filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, so in January 1905, she issued a call to prayer. And 550 women began meeting twice daily for intercessory prayer. That summer, Ram Mabby sent 30 young women out in the villages to preach the gospel. These young female preachers were so successful that they reported an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on June 29, 1905. Which included several being slain in the Holy Spirit all day long and experiencing burning sensations. All sorts of stuff happened when you filled the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen. Amen. Not every experience is the same, but you will experience something when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You cannot help it but to experience something, okay? This Indian revival continued for several years. By 1906, participants also began receiving the gift of speaking in tongues, which was not heard of in India at that time. As a result, the famous Mukatai mission which is still operating today as a result of that revival. Thousands and thousands of women and young girls and young men have gone through that mission. they still operating today. You can Google it, you can have a look at it, the Mukatai mission. And that was a result of that, of that Holy Ghost fire revival that took place in India at that time. And she's a marvellous woman. She's an amazing woman because as I began to read about what she'd done, she used to work 12 hours a day in, the, in, in operating this mission And on top of that, she had a desire. God showed her that she needed to um, get the Bible into Hindu because the people of Hindu did not understand the, the, the Bible that they had. It was something which they could not understand. So she actually learnt Greek and Hebrew, studied it, and she was an uneducated woman so that she could get the Bible printed properly, interpreted properly so the Hindu people could understand it. She used to go into these Hindu temples at the time and rescue young girls because they used to prostitute young girls in these Hindu temples as a part of their religion. They said you were doing a favour. She would go and she'd rescue them. And it was amazing work that God um, did through this woman. So I won't go on any further because there's lots more stuff there. If you want to do your own research, do it. All right, the next slide. Thank you. William Burton. Who's ever heard of William Burton? Okay, we've got one here. There we got one up the back there. Okay. William Burton, he could have played cricket or tennis for England as a skillful artist, and he's also a skillful artist. I mean, say, like a painter, okay? Got saved under a famous evangelist called Reuben Torrey in 1905. And, uh, and, and in 1910, Burton and a small group of friends would meet every afternoon for one hour, seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost for one year. For one year. This is not a quick fix thing amen it's not going to happen straight away it's not going to say all right I want it now I want the Holy Ghost want the fire want the power I want it now amen just listen to what these guys did anyway he for one whole year he sought the Holy Spirit and at that time revival had broken out through Wales Sweden Norway and Ireland mighty signs and wonders and many souls were being saved even though Burton had been saved he was hungry For more, especially the baptism of the Holy Ghost. After one year of earnestly seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fire fell. One year, one hour of prayer every afternoon, seeking specifically the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The fire fell, burden was filled with the Holy Spirit. His desire to preach the gospel was so strong, he immediately left his high-paying job as an electrical engineer and started preaching, well, that's him there, (laughs) and started preaching the gospel. He was known as the tramp preacher. He left everything. He emptied his bank accounts out and just literally just crisscrossed throughout England, preaching on street corners, bowling greens, wherever people gathered together, he would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them after, after three years of doing this. He did it for three years. Just walked everywhere, just preaching the gospel. He just felt so compelled to tell people about Jesus. That's how the fire of the Holy Ghost changed his life. Amazing. After doing this for three years, he felt the call to go to Africa, the Congo, um, to Africa, the Congo, which today is called Zaire, Zia, Zia. Here, he would spend the rest of his life, the rest of his life, preaching the gospel to the natives of Congo. He ended up planting over 2,000 churches, 2,000 churches to the glory of God. And not only that, he built churches. And with with his skill, he was a very skillful man. He was a very skillful man. He actually built some amazing churches over there. And also, he painted some amazing paintings and drawings. And he sold all those paintings to raise money to do the work in the Congo. All right, the next slide. Uh, The next slide we're going to do is James Salter. All right, James Salter, okay. Who's heard of James Salter? Yeah, I think Jason has. James Salter was the son-in-law of of Smith Wigglesworth. Imagine having your, your father-in-law Smith. Hey, Smith, here we're going, eh? He was son-in-law of, of Smith Wigglesworth, okay? In 1915, he joined Burton, the guy I just talked about, on the field in Africa, okay? He took no medication, and instead he simply trusted the Lord to keep him. On the first journey to Africa, along with others, he caught malaria, and for some time fought between life and death. Between 1915 and 1919, he was raised from his deathbed six times. The last time, a sheet was thrown over him and he was left for dead. This is what happened. The natives that were there with him on the last time, they got around the group in prayer and they held hands. This is a story that I was reading. And as they give God the praise and the glory, they open up the eyes and he'll stand in the middle of them. Praising God. Miracles, miraculous, miraculous. miraculous. These guys cared for nothing. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Um, and this is what he had to say about it. This is what he had to say about it. <clears throat> they poisoned our water, our food. They tried shooting poison arrows at us, then bullets. We were among people whose language we had to learn word by word. And those first few months, I tramped from place to place, preaching the gospel until my whole body was soaked with malaria. James Solder, Amen. A mighty man of God. Let us just move on. Howard Carter. Who's heard of Howard Carter? There we go. You're not from England, are you? No? Okay. Howard Carter was an early British of God leader who planted congregations, trained ministers, and travelled the world, encouraging minist- ministries. He also gave to the Pentecostal movement some of its most lasting teachings on spiritual gifts. His teachings on the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost are still used in Bible colleges worldwide today. He refused to go to war because the Holy Ghost told him he, he, that he had to learn about the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. When they come and drag you off to go to war, they come and knocked on his door, whether it was at the commander, the general, whatever it was, who come to get you. And so he said to him, uh, Harold, you, you've been called up to go to, um, you know, you've been scripted, you've got to go. And so um, he said, I can't. He said, why? Because the Holy Ghost has told me I have to learn about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he looked at him and said, what is that? He said, it's written in the Bible. I won't have time to go, go serve in the army because I've got to learn about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. He said, well, I'll tell you what's going to happen today. Two things are going to happen. Today, you're either going to be stripped down, hair cut off, uniform, and you're going to the army or you're going to prison. He said, can I take my Bible to prison? He said, Yes. <laughs> He spent the next three and a half years in prison learning about the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. This a true story. Now, his first lesson in the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost was he was laying on his bed and because the bombs were shaking the building so much, water would drip down continually in his his, um, cell and was dripping on his forehead continually the whole time. And he said, Lord, please stop this water from dripping on my forehead. It's driving me insane. And the Holy Ghost spoke and said, you do it. He looked up at that board he said, Water, I command you to go back where you come from. And immediately the water went back up into the ceiling and stopped. He never ever had another, another wet moment again. for uh, the whole time he was there. Amen. You know, these guys are men of the Holy Ghost and fire. You and me are the same. God can use us the same. It all depends how hungry you want to get. Amen. Smith Wigglesworth... I'm going to go back to Howard Cart in a minute, but Smith Wigglesworth, you can put him up there. Okay, it's a little bit grainy, but it's all good. Um, Was a British evangelist, we all know about him. Who's heard of Smith Wigglesworth? I'm pretty sure we all have. Hands going up everywhere. Um, His reputation precedes him. him. He has seen over 14 people raised from the dead, brought revival to Australia. I'm not going to go into all the miracles tonight um, that he'd done, but talk about one particular prophecy, which I'll get to in a minute, that he gave about a mighty revival that's going to sweep the land of Australia and will shake the whole world so powerful this revival is going to be. We need to get ready, saints. I'm telling you, we need to get ready. It's all about the Holy Ghost. Oh, it's all about the Holy Ghost. And... Uh, My last one here is uh, Lester Frank Sumrall. Who's heard of Lester Sumrall? Up the back again. Jason. All right, these are guys. Do some research on them. It'll inspire. If these guys I've talked about here don't inspire, I don't know what will. Was an American Pentecostal pastor and evangelist who was friends with all the above and preached beside all of them. Lester Sumrall. All right, just let me get back. I just want to just share one part here of Lester Frank Sumrall and Howard Carter. Howard Carter was 40 years of age and God spoke to him. He'd been, in the, he'd been involved in doing a lot of missionary work at that time. And God spoke to him and said, I'm going, he had a dream that I'm going to send a young man and you're going to train him up in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. You're going to train him up in the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so Howard Carter said, okay, at exactly the same time, The young man, which is Lester Sumrall, in America, on the east coast of America, received the same dream, exactly for word for word, saying, I'm going to bring an older man in your life who's 40 years of age, and he's going to train you up, and you're going to be a missionary, you're going to travel the whole world with him. Okay. He went from the east coast of America to the west coast of America, not knowing what he was doing on the west coast of America, at exactly the same time, Howard Carter was there preaching in Los Angeles, and the very first thing that happened was, Lester Summer went up to Howard Carter and instead of saying, shaking your hand, saying, how are you going? He began to talk about the prophecy word to word that Howard Carter had received in England. And Howard Carter turned to him and said, son, get your badge packed. You're come with me. We're going around the world. and You're going to be a missionary and I'm going to train you up and show you about the night gifts of the Holy Ghost. Lester Summer was so excited that his, 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 um, his sister was with him. and said, I've got to go home. I've got to pack my bags because I've got to go around the world preach the gospel. So um, on the way driving back home to get his bags, he's, he didn't know what to do, of course. I mean, he had no money, you know. He dressed like he was a millionaire, but he never had a dime on him. <laughs> he said, if you're not rich, at least look like you are. <laughs> and uh, the amazing thing was, he said, oh, I forgot where he's going. There's no mobile phones. You know, hey, it's great, these mobile phones, hey. Where can I meet? What's going on? What's happening, you know? There was none of that. He had no mobile no mobile phone, nothing like that. And so he said, oh, I didn't ask him where he's going. So he jumped on the first, went back, went back to, um, there's another whole heap of stories about that one. He ended up jumping on the ship on Los Angeles. And so he said, well, I'll start at the bottom of the world. Maybe Howard off. I should run into him because he told him he was going up to Japan or he's going to China to do some preaching. He said, if I start at the bottom of the world, then I should be able to work my way up and I'll probably run into him somewhere. (laughs) How's that for faith? He didn't know how he was going to run into him. This is how the gifts of the Holy Ghost come into operation. So anyway, the ship goes to New Zealand. And while the ship was in New Zealand, they had to, um, you know, they had to put gear on the ship and food and supplies and, and fuel. And so Lester Summer thought, while I'm here, I'll go walk around and find a church. I'll find an Assemblies of God church. That was in the day, that's what it was. I'll go find one and, and meet the local pastor there. He tramped around Auckland City all morning trying to find, nobody had ever heard of Assemblies of God church there. He said, okay. Um, and eventually somebody directed him to the church. And so he went up and he knocked on the door and this big, massive Kiwi man come out, huge man. He come out and uh, Lester Sumrall said, oh, excuse me, So He looked up to him like that. He reckons he's about six foot ten. He could have eaten him. He looked up and he said, oh, excuse me, sir. You don't know who I am. Yes, I do. Your name's Lester Sumrall. And you're exactly on time, 11 o'clock. He said, okay, okay. He said, I've got a letter to give you. Oh, okay, okay. He said, Howard Carter's up in the mountains now having the retreat of all the pastors. He told me to come down here and give you the letter that you'll be at his house at exactly 11 o'clock. Moon in the gifts of the Holy Ghost, saints, I'm telling you. <laughs> and so he was only one hour away from him, and he said, he's told you to go on, continue on the Sydney, he'll meet you in Sydney. And they will meet up with you then, and then you're going to travel the world together. <laughs> this, apparently what had happened up in the mountain at the retreat, the Kiwi pastor, as soon as Howard uh, Carr said, I want you to go down and, and do this and do this thing for me, um, he said to the other pastor, is this guy nuts? I mean, how does he know he's going to be there? They said, he must be a. He, I don't think he's a real deal. He said, we'll soon find out. If he's not there, I'll come back and I'll tell you. This. So even the guys up there didn't realise. Moving the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Wow. Man, these guys will inspire you. They will absolutely inspire you. And, uh, yeah, so that's how Lester Sum will end up. And you know what? He got married to that girl there. Um, and he had, didn't have a wife for a fair while. I think he got married when he was about 30. That other guy that I told you about, Howard Carter, had been praying for wife since he was 18 years of age. He got married when he was 50. <laughs> Talk about being hang out to dry. <laughs> I tell you, but he got married at 30, and you know where they spent the, their honeymoon? She was a South American missionary, that one there. She was a powerful woman, of God herself in her own right. They spent their, their honeymoon in the, in the jungles of the Amazon preaching the gospel to the Indian natives. And on the first 12 months of the honeymoon, six months into it, she caught malaria and wasn't expected to live. And so he said, Lord, what have you done to me? You've gone and given me a wife and now you're going to take away from me? So he got down and said, Lord, raise her up, I pray in Jesus' name. Bang. Raised her up, you know. Raised her up. But when he came to Australia, he did some preaching in Australia and they used a tag team, Howard Carter and Lester Sumrall, Lester Sumrall did the Mean, He was the evangelist. Howard Carter was the teacher. And so when they got to Sydney, he looked like he was a million dollars. And he said, he found it hard for pastors to take up love offerings for him. Because they used to say, the American preachers, they're rich, they don't need money. And uh, he, was, he was always broke, he had nothing, he said. And he was in his hotel room and he knew he had to go to Brisbane to preach. And he said, Lord, I've got no ticket to get there. He said... You think I'm going to go to the railway station and yell at ticket, 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 ticket. Give me a ticket, give me a ticket. You got a ticket for me to go to Brisbane? I'm not going to do it. I'm staying in this motel room and you're going to bring the ticket to me. <laughs> That's how it's going to be. And he got on his knees and he prayed. Not long after, there was a knock on the door and this big Australian guy was there. He was weeping, crying. He said, oh, Lord, I don't need a weeping, crying Australian. I've got my own problems trying to get up to Brisbane. Anyway, he said, how can I help you, sir? He said, look, I've been up all night. He said, you're not the only one, brother. He said, I've been praying because God's been telling me that I've got to go and give you a ticket to get to Brisbane. <laughs> and, he, and he said to him, he said, but I know that you're a rich American evangelist and you don't need money. But God's told me, so I hope that I'm not, you know. He said, brother, it's fine. Take me to the railway station. Thanks for the ticket. God bless you. <laughs> and that's how we moved. That's how we moved. Amen. You know, we've got pioneers of faith even here in our own church. Even in our own church, I've gone to be with the Lord. I remember Georgie Power telling me the story when he went to Vanuatu on one of the crusades that so we did over the missionary work, we over there. he come back, him and Anne, Anne will tell you the story that they were on the, on the, on the station at uh, Brisbane, at the railway station. They'd poured out all the money, they'd given everything away to the, um, to the work over there in Vanuatu at the time and he got to the railway station, had no way that they, were, they had nothing to be able to get back up to Bowen and a total stranger went up and gave him a ticket, blessed him with it and took off. God is good, God is good. We live. A, we serve a supernatural God, amen. We serve a supernatural God, amen. We serve a supernatural God. He's there, and you know we, we wait for something to come, but God says no. Step out, and it will come. You know we wait for it to come, but we have to step out for it to come, amen. We haven't got nothing, but we step out, and it happens. That lady there I was talking about before, that that Indian woman had nothing, and God challenged her about tithing. He said, "I want you to start tithing and." Giving to the other missionaries' works that's going on in China and other places at the time. And she started to tithe out the very little that came in, and the work just continued to explode and grow. Tithing works. It does, Emma, doesn't it? It works. It works. Hallelujah. God is good. All right, this is where we're getting up to now. This is the point. This is, we're going really well. Five minutes to go. Amen. Pastor Norm Armstrong, who's heard of Pastor Norm Armstrong? Okay, we've got a few here. He's gone to be with the Lord. Me and my wife Sharon actually got saved under Pastor Norm Armstrong. Who else got saved? Anybody else here who got saved under Pastor Norm Armstrong? He used to go up and down the coast preaching with Alex Elcorn. Amen. Alex Alcorn used to do the morning meetings and Pastor Norm Armstrong used to do the night meetings. I don't know we've got a picture of him. No, we may not. I might have forgot him out. That's all right. Don't worry about it, brother. Um, yeah. So, what happened here? Our prime minister. This is this. It. We are the land of the Holy Spirit. God has called this country, Australia, the land of the Holy Spirit. And I personally believe a great revival is going to break forth. It is already starting to break forth. It has been breaking forth. But I believe the best is yet to come. And Australia is going to be heavily involved in this last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Get ready. Get ready to be shaken to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't like it. But anyway, get ready to be shaken to pieces. It's not fun when you're getting shaken, but get ready to be shaken. I used to have a little dog called Benson. And I always remember him one time he took off after a snake. I thought, oh, you silly mutt, that thing will bite you. He grabbed hold of it and just shook it to pieces. There was bits of snakes flying everywhere. <laughs> wow. Everywhere. I'm telling you, I had to run because of the head would be flicking off and coming towards me. <laughs> Our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, is a member of the Horizon Church in Sydney. Who knows that? They got a membership of something like 2,000 people. It's a big church. Whose founder was Norm Armstrong. Do you know that? He actually founded a few churches past Norm Armstrong. He travelled to Bowen on revival campaigns where many came to the Lord, including myself and my wife Sharon. This is Norm's Armstrong story. This is when he was a kid. He was a young boy, about probably eight or nine years of age, okay? He went to be the Lord. He was 95 years of age. Um, oh, I don't know. It was about 10 years ago. I just don't quite remember it all. Uh, 2011. There you go. 2011. He says, I do believe what Smith Wigglesworth did prophesy over Norm Armstrong. This is, this is what I'm saying. I do believe that Smith Wigglesworth did prophesy over Norm Armstrong. And it's, it's recorded. It's written. I was only a very young boy when my dad told me, one day that a man called Smith Wigglesworth was coming to minister in our home and that he was a mighty man of God and we were all excited. Just to get you up the speed of what happened here, Norm Armstrong's father was a Salvation Army minister, okay? But what happened was he got full, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence to speak in tongues. And he had to go move out and start his own church in his own home. But because he was so inflamed by the Holy Ghost, it wasn't long before his house was just absolutely overflowing, chock-a-block. Okay? Now, this is what happened. This is what happened. Um, Dad told me one day that a man called Swift Viggles was coming to minister to our home and that he was a mighty man of God. We were all very excited. The day came and our house was packed up with people. I wanted to get a good look at him. And the only place was a toilet seat. So I went in there to watch him preach. And then... This is what he said, Australia, you have been chosen by God for a great move of the Holy Spirit. I know Norm Armstrong, and he would not make this up. I mean, he was a man of integrity, and he spoke the word of God. This move of God will be the greatest move of God ever known in mankind's history, and will start towards the end of the 20th century and move into the 21st century. We're here now. The move of God will start a great revival in Australia, Spreads throughout the whole world and usher in the second coming of Jesus. Who believes Jesus has coming back? He's not saying any dates here. He's just saying this last revival is going to be the big one. This will be the final revival before the coming of our Lord. Smith Wigglesworth said his eyes won't see it, nor will Norm Armstrong's, but the next generation. This was the same prophecy given over Lester Sumrall. Lester Sumrall received the exactly same prophecy. We are living on the edge the end time who believes that jesus is coming back do we all believe that jesus is coming back he says he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle do you think jesus is going to come back for a church which is just barely making it i believe jesus is going to come back for a church that's full of vibrance it's full of power it's full of might amen it's it's just full and overflowing and rejoicing the fact that jesus is coming back amen we are living in the most exciting times In history, you've been born in the most exciting time ever. All these people I talked about before were looking forward to this day when we're going to see the greatest revival. I mean, this whole planet is going to be shaken off its axis. Amen. You talk about the earthquake of San Francisco in 1906. That's nothing compared to what God's going to do. In one way, I feel like it's the children of Israel when God protected the church from the plagues. The plagues were poured out there. And the world seemed to be coming under all sorts of attack. But the church was protected. The children of Israel were protected. It was like a separation between light and darkness. Saints, we are of the light. Amen. We are of the light. Let, a light shine. Let our light shine for Jesus. Amen. Let a light shine for Jesus. Amen. I like the story that Jason Pastor Jason preached a couple of weeks ago. And I've been looking at it. And it's uh, about when, the, when uh, Jacob wrestled with the angel. Actually, the band can start moving up now. When the, when the angel wrestled, wrestled with Jacob, when Jacob wrestled with the angel, and they continued on right through, well, I can just read a little bit of it, right through to the breaking of day. And it says here, well, it doesn't matter. It says somewhere there anyway. Anyway, but they wrestled right through to the breaking of day. And the angel said to Jacob, said, listen, let go. The sun's coming through. You've got to let go of me because the sun's breaking. And Jacob said, I will not let go unless you bless me. I will not let go unless you bless me. Bless me and I'll let you go. And so the angel said, your name shall now be called Israel. You will become a a father of many nations, just like Father Abraham. I will bless you and I'll bless your family and I'll bless everything that you have. And you shall be blessed without measure. And through your dynasty, through your genes will come... The, the Messiah, amen? And so, you know, tonight he would not let go until he received the blessing. How much about us? How desperate are we to receive the blessing of Jesus, amen? Through the blessing of the Holy Ghost. Elisha and Elijah are the other two ones. Three times, Elijah said to Elijah, wait here. But Elijah said, no, my Lord, I go where you go. I'm sticking with you, sticking with you. And the third time he said to Elisha, stay here. I've got to go across the river. He said, no, I'm going with you too. The only thing that could separate Elijah from Elisha was God himself, the chariot in between them, separated them. He would not let go until he got the blessing. Is anything too hard for thee? Is anything too hard for thee? You've asked a hard thing. You've asked a hard thing, a double portion of the Holy Spirit to rest upon your life. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Amen. Nothing is too hard. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.